Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, August 6th, 2017, on the basis of Matthew 13, verses 44 through 52. I have to tell you, it's kind of been a stressful week for me. See, I have this cousin, and we don't normally talk, but all of a sudden, out of the blue, he emailed me this week. And apparently, he decided a while back that he was going to take a trip to London. Again, I, I didn't even know he was going, but I guess while he was in London, he got mugged. They took his wallet, they took his passport, they took everything, and so he contacted me because he needed help. He needed to be able to pay the bill at the hotel where he was staying. He needed to be able to get a plane ticket home. He needed $5,000 just so he could get back. Awful, awful situation. But don't worry, I took care of it. I sent him the money. Everything's fine. Now, some of you are probably thinking, I guess what they say is true. There really is a sucker born every minute, isn't there? And if any of that had actually happened, you would probably be right in thinking that because I'm guessing you've heard of that scam before. I mentioned that scam this morning, not only so that if that ever happens to you, if you ever get that email, you can just ignore it, pay no attention to it. But more importantly than that, I mention it because I think that's the kind of reaction that naturally pops into our minds and into our hearts when we first take a glance at the verses that are in front of us this morning. See, for the past few weeks, we've been seeing how Jesus unlocks these secrets, these mysteries of his heavenly kingdom using down-to-earth terms, using stories, using parables. And now, after telling a series of parables, you might say that Jesus is ready to close the deal with his disciples. He wants them to be all in. He wants them to sign on the dotted line. And he once again does so by telling them a few more parables. You heard how in a couple of those parables he compares this idea of, of becoming a part of the kingdom of God to a financial transaction. And just as been the case with every single parable we've looked at, as we look at what Jesus says in these verses, we're going to see that, that the way that this works is often very different from, and in a lot of ways, the exact opposite of the way that it normally works in our world. In fact, so much so that it, it might seem as though taking this deal is foolish. The deal that Jesus seems to be offering us here maybe even seems a little bit like a scam, and maybe seems like only those who are suckers would possibly take it. But hopefully as we look at God's word this morning, as we look at these verses, we will see that the opposite is true. That what Jesus is actually offering us here is, in fact, the deal of a lifetime. So one of the ways in which this whole thing is a little bit different from the way that the world normally works is in the one main thought that comes out most clearly in the parable, the one main thought that both of the parables have in common you heard how in both of the parables there is a man who finds something, discovers something that is of great worth. He decides to purchase it, and in order to do so, he goes out, he sells everything that he has, and then he buys it. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, all it's going to cost you is absolutely everything. Like I said, that's not how it normally works, right? I mean, if, if a company like Netflix wants you to sign up, or Amazon wants you to get a Prime membership, or Apple wants you to subscribe to their music streaming service, what do they do? They offer you a free trial. 
right? They offer you introductory pricing. They have a, a tiered pricing structure because they know that right off the bat, you might not be ready to just jump all in. Jesus says, my kingdom is very different. I want you all in from day one. If you want to be a part of my kingdom, all it's going to cost you is absolutely everything. So does that mean that you need to go home today and sell every single thing that belongs to you? Well, the good news is, no, it doesn't. But the bad news is, it might actually be easier if it did. <laughs> you see, if that were the case, if that were Jesus' directive, we could just do it, we could take care of it, we, we would know that we had completed the task Jesus had given us, and we could forget about it once and for all. But instead, what Jesus is actually telling us is that each and every day, we need to take careful stock of every single thing in our life and be ready and willing to give up all of it if it comes in conflict with, if it threatens our relationship with God. So that might be your money. It might be sports or some other activity. It might be a friend. It might be the popularity that you enjoy with your peers. It might be some behavior, some habit that you find enjoyable and that brings you fulfillment. It might be the first 15 minutes of every Green Bay Packers game this fall. <gasps> So why does Jesus ask us to give those kinds of things up? You see, it's so easy for us to think of our hearts more like a, a savings account at a bank. You know that if you have a savings account at a bank, no matter how much money is in there, you can always add more, right? I don't think they put any sort of limit on how much you can put into your savings account. But in contrast, Jesus knows that our hearts are like that piggy bank I was telling the kids about. You can't just keep adding more and more and more. That piggy bank has a very finite amount of room in it. In fact, what the Bible tells us is that in our hearts, there is really room for just one thing, one thing that is more important than anything else. And Jesus says that either belongs to me and my kingdom, or you're going to give that away to someone or something else. And so what Jesus is asking us to do here is to carefully take stock and ask ourselves, is there anyone, anything in my life that is threatening that spot, that throne in my heart that rightfully belongs to Jesus? If so, I will be ready and willing to give it up, to walk away from it. If you want to be part of the kingdom of God, the only thing it's going to cost you is absolutely everything. So as I've been describing that, have you been coming up with your objections? Are all of your excuses well thought out and well rehearsed by now. There's a lot of excuses we like to give, right? In fact, like I said, I, I think our first reaction, this has got to be a scam. Only a sucker would take this deal. But what's interesting about those first two parables is that it seems as though Jesus anticipates some of those objections and actually provides answers to them in the very careful details about the parables that are actually different from one another. So maybe one person objects Give up everything? I, I don't have that much to begin with. I can't afford to do that. I need to hang on to everything that I can because I don't have that much. Well, look at that first man in the parable. What kind of person spends a whole lot of time in a field that doesn't belong to him? 
Odds are he is doing manual labor. He is a day laborer working for maybe not much more than minimum wage. And then he goes out to purchase the field, and he knows that he's going to get that field for a value, for a price that is far less than what it's actually worth because he's the only one that knows that there's a, a treasure hidden in it. And yet even then, even though he's getting a bargain for this field, he still can't afford it. He still needs to sell absolutely everything in order to have it. So no, even if you have very little, being part of Jesus' kingdom costs you absolutely everything. What about the flip side? Give up everything? I, I can't risk that. I have too much. I can't possibly afford to put all of that on the line. Look at the man in the second par parable. He is the savvy businessman who travels all over the world looking for fine pearls and other items of great value. He has a very diversified portfolio and tremendous assets. He's the rich one. And yet when he finds this pearl of great price, he too must sell absolutely everything in order to be able to buy it. So even if you have a great deal, being part of Jesus' kingdom costs absolutely everything. Maybe someone objects, you know what, I'm, I'm going to work the system. I'm going to take Jesus and his kingdom, but I'm going to leave behind all of the baggage. I'm going to take Christ. Just don't expect me to ever be found around other Christians. After all, no one ever said that you had to go to church or that you had to belong to a church to actually be a Christian. And yet, notice the details of that first parable. The treasure is hidden right in the middle of something that is otherwise very unimpressive. And the man can't just take the treasure and walk off with it. That would make him a thief, right? He has to buy the whole thing. He has to purchase everything that goes with it in order to get that treasure. And friends, in the very same way, having Jesus often comes with a lot of other extra baggage. Sometimes that treasure is found in a place that is otherwise very unimpressive. Sometimes it's even found in a strip mall, right? And the people that are found there are, are certainly going to be anything but perfect. Or maybe someone says, you know what, if, if following Jesus requires me to give up absolutely everything, then I'm going to look for the very same things that Jesus is offering me, but I'm going to find them somewhere else. And so I can find wisdom and guidance for my living in Buddhism. I can fix all of my problems and take care of all of my hang-ups in the self-help aisle at the bookstore. I can find hope and a reason to get up in the morning and a purpose for life by just looking down deep inside and learning to love myself, and then I don't have to give everything up. Again, in the second parable, the man had found all kinds of pearls, and many of them were of great value, but when he found that one, he knew that none of the other ones compared. In fact, I did, I did a little bit of research just to check this out. Do you know how much a single one-carat diamond is worth? A really good one-carat diamond might be worth about $10,000. So imagine you had 10 one-carat diamonds. Those would be worth $100,000. But now imagine you had a single 10-carat diamond. What's that worth? Not $100,000. Not $200,000, probably $2.5 million. There are little glimpses of what Jesus offers that can be found in other places, but only Jesus can offer everything that our hearts desire. Now, if you're anything like me, those objections are not just sort of a, an academic list of things that you need to be able to check off mentally in your head. 
No, instead, those are very real reasons, very real excuses for why sometimes we don't take the deal that Jesus is offering to be a part of his kingdom. Why sometimes we treat our hearts more like a savings account and less like a piggy bank. We think we can just keep adding more and more. And Jesus is just one more nice, valuable thing in our heart rather than the one and only thing for which everything else gets cleared out. And that's why Jesus needed to tell one more parable. You see, we might be tempted after reading those first two to think that our devotion and our love for Jesus is how we get the treasure. How we get into Jesus' kingdom is contingent on our desire to be a part of it. And friends, if that's what we think, then that is what truly makes us suckers. And so Jesus tells another parable about fish. He talks about a fisherman who lowers his net into a lake and hauls in all kinds of fish. In this last parable, Jesus actually turns the tables completely around. Those who had been searching are now those who are sought. And treasure hunters now become the treasure who is hunted. This fisherman lowers his net into the lake to bring in as many fish as he possibly can. And in fact, notice what types of fish are brought in, not just good ones, but bad ones too. Jesus doesn't simply invite people into his kingdom who have proven their worth to belong. No, Jesus pursues, he chases after, he seeks out one and all. He came to this earth for all. He lived a perfect life for all. He died on the cross for all. And his resurrection proved that he had done all of it successfully. Now, if, if we're tempted to think that being a part of Jesus' kingdom depends on our desire to be a part of it, we're sadly mistaken. It's the other way around. Being a part of Jesus' kingdom is first and foremost about his desire for us. That's why Jesus tells that third and final parable, and that's why he then puts this question to his disciples. Do you understand what I'm saying? He says, are you, are you picking up what I'm laying down here, disciples? Are you ready to buy in? Are you ready to sign on the dotted line? And their response is simply, yes. And then Jesus goes on to tell them very clearly, here's what caused that. Here's what made that happen. Here's what made you willing to give up absolutely everything for the kingdom of God. It wasn't because you so earnestly sought it out. It's because you have been sought. And that's exactly how it's going to happen with you and me. Jesus describes it this way. He says, Every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. How do you and I become convinced that we would be willing to give up absolutely everything for Jesus and his kingdom? Well, it's not by diminishing the value of all the good things that Jesus allows us to have in our lives. Rather, it's by accurately assessing the value of what he is offering us. See, when Jesus asks you to potentially give up your money, it's not because Jesus doesn't like money. It's not because Jesus doesn't like friends, doesn't like popularity, doesn't like sports and other activities. It's not because Jesus doesn't like the Green Bay Packers. None of those things is bad. 
But Jesus knows full well that none of those things is treasure. Sure, your money might give you a certain amount of, of safety and security in this life, but, but can that really compare to the eternal prize that Jesus has won for you, that internal, eternal inheritance that he says has your name on it that nothing, not even death, can possibly take away from you? Sure, sports and other activities might satisfy a, a desire for achievement and accomplishment that we have inside of our hearts, but does that really compare to the God of the universe looking down at us for Jesus' sake and be pleased and proud, grinning from ear to ear like a father whose oldest son is graduating from college. Yes, our, our friends and our popularity might fill our need for acceptance and belonging and feeling like we can just be ourselves no matter our quirks, no matter our shortcomings. Well, sure, but does that even compare to belonging to the family of God? where you are loved and accepted unconditionally, no matter your worst and most heinous sins. And again, this is completely different from the way things normally work. Normally, you chase down the treasure. Normally, you give up whatever it takes to purchase the treasure, but, but in this case, you are, not, you are not the hunter of the treasure. You are the treasure that is hunted. And in fact, that's exactly what is going on this morning. That's exactly what is going on each and every week. That is exactly what is going on for all 60 minutes of every hour that we spend together. It is nothing more than Jesus' desire to hold before your eyes that treasure. For you to see over and over again just how much it is worth. That is what will convince you that this is a deal of a lifetime. Because even though it will cost you absolutely everything, what it gives you is even more. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.